Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to those of you who are watching us on live stream, to those of you who are here this morning. Glad you guys could be here and join us, reminding you that we are meeting here live. So if you are watching online, even if you're watching later, we miss you and hope you will come down and join us here live uh, as we are here every Sunday morning. But let's pause, let's pray as we move forward with our time together. Lord, we're grateful for once again an opportunity to gather and to open our hearts, our ears to receive from you. And Lord, we ask that we would put aside the distractions, the things that would try to prevent us from hearing your voice, the concerns that we have, the busyness of our our lives and schedule and all the things that still need to be done, Lord, may we press pause and allow this time to be uninterrupted by these things and your voice to pierce through the distractions of our lives and give us some clarity maybe of how to live better lives. Again, we offer ourselves to you at this time and ask that you would speak, that you would instruct us, that you would guide us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Randy. A few announcements um, as we get started. Um, My wife sent me an article this morning. I don't know if you guys have heard about it yet, but there's 16 missionaries have been kidnapped from Haiti. Um, and so we want to be praying for them. It's a local gang just outside of Port-au-Prince who's been responsible for a number of kidnappings, and this is what makes it so difficult to do work when uh, there is a country that's in upheaval and there is so much uh, poverty and Uh, lack of structure even in the government to protect its own people that it makes difficult for it makes it difficult for other people to go over there and try and help Um, and that's why we have not been able to go to Haiti for a while since the unrest has developed uh, assassination of their you know president and so many other things that are taking place Um, we are still doing work or for a reason, is still doing work there in Haiti through those who are local there. And just to let you guys know, we have raised 
here at Genesis, $3,240 to go towards that uh, one community to buy Bibles for the church that is there. And so I want to thank all of you who contributed to make that happen. And because of you, uh, that community is going to have the scripture there in their own language. And we're grateful for that. We still want to be praying for how we can be of help in a country that is suffering in the ways that it is. Um, and we can imagine even now as things are starting to um, ripple with us, right? And like uh, if you're wanting to get things, sometimes like building supplies, uh, John, you'd probably know more about this. There's a shortage in some things because of the rippling effect from COVID. I know I'm unable to get uh, the training collars that I normally get from Germany. There's a shortage of those, so I'm having to order a month ahead of time. Just all these things that kind of happen, even just with us and the things we're going through, how much more in a country that's impoverished like Haiti and other countries. So I, I say this to you because we have been involved and are still wanting to be involved in Haiti, so we want to be praying for that country, for the government. And for those of our friends who are doing the work there in Haiti, um, they've had uh, laptops stolen. They've been robbed coming out of the bank. It's dangerous to even go to a bank to withdraw money because there are people waiting for when you come out. So it's just a rough situation, and we want to be praying for these 16 missionaries. Some of them are children. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen. This is just something that's new that's come out. Uh, things that are happening this week. Uh, Tuesday, we have the philosophy and critical thinking class. Uh, Jordan's going to be talking on mental architecture at 7 o'clock here in this building. Uh, Wednesday here, we are doing take two. And again, you are all invited to come and participate with that. Um, Saturday, there's another uh, community discussion group called For Full Circle that Jordan's doing Saturday at 5 p.m. And that's going to be at the Works Building. So those are some things that are happening this week. Again, uh, we are here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and you are all invited to come down. We are putting some things together for the children. We will let you know when those are fully developed. Um, but we are moving in that direction so that your kids can be here on Sundays We'll let you know more as that uh, develops. And we ask that you would be praying for us as we are doing these things. You know, there's been such uh, a transition that's happening, not just with us, but with a lot of people, but with us quite a bit. And pray that we can move forward in a way that is effective in taking care of the children who are still going to be a part of our community and those who will in the future. Also, be praying for how we move forward and connect with one another. Um, the, all the changes that are happening is forcing us to reevaluate things and do things differently. And that's a good thing, but it's a difficult thing. And so I appreciate you guys who are considering Genesis your home, that you would be praying for us as these transitions take place. We are grateful for all of you who continue financially supporting Genesis um, and are here faithfully to just be a part of what God is doing. And we want God to do things, right? I mean, we're not just here to, hey, everyone, how's it going? We actually want to be a part of what God wants to do in our communities as well as to the world. So with that, we are continuing in Matthew chapter 6. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the Westminster Abbey. 
my grandfather's ring, our Genesis logo, saltine crackers, and being stuck in China. Ava, you like the saltine crackers? Did you chuckle on that? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. This is a, a passage of scripture that I think is very familiar. And Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. The Our Father, famous. And it's so interesting because at the beginning of this, Jesus says, pray like this. But in Luke's gospel, he says, when you pray, say this. And so which is it? Is it kind of pray like this or do we say this? Or maybe it's both? Because there's, there's differences between the two. So if we're supposed to say the exact same thing, do we just say the one that's in Luke? Or can we say some of what's in Matthew? And we start getting a little bit of color in these two descriptions of what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And I think the fact that they are a little different gives us the curiosity to step into the meaning and not just the words. And remember, everything that we are reading is a translation of what was said. And so it's important that we understand that. If it's supposed to be just verbatim, this is what we say, then what translation do we say it in? Is it a way that we say it or is there more that's being uncovered here? And I hope that we can lean into it with this kind of curiosity. One of the things that's interesting about this is it's written in very much what would be considered like street Greek. This isn't a high level or would be considered like affluent. This was common language. Years ago, when I went to Wales, Corrine and I, and I think someone else was with us probably at the time, we got to take a trip to London at the end of that trip that we were in Wales. And so we were in London and it was a rainy day because I think it was always rainy days there in London. It's just kind of that way. And we were looking for the Westminster Abbey because we wanted to go and take that tour. And we were walking the streets of London. It was a little bit rainy. You know, we we don't know exactly where we're going. We know it's in this area, but I'm terrible at reading maps. And so we go to ask someone, hey, where's the Westminster Abbey? And the person we asked had such a strong Cockney accent that we could not understand a single word he said. I am serious. It was just so strong. And we just looked dumbfounded like, oh my gosh. And he knew exactly what he was saying. We hadn't a clue. And you see the, the Cockney accent 
is kind of similar where it's a, a street level. It's not, you know, when you think of British, you think of proper and things like that. But then you've got the Cockney accent, which is more kind of just the level of where most people are at. And it's becoming more popular because of Adele, Russell Brand, and other people who kind of speak those languages. But Jesus is speaking a language that is common, that people hear and understand. So it's not this affluent presentation. He's talking to people where they're at in a language that they understand. And the language is very urban. And so the prayer that he's praying is is very active. It's anything but passive. I think this prayer is like the swearing in to the armed forces or or volunteering for the revolution of God. The language here is a great expression of who Jesus is and what he's about. And I don't think there's a greater declaration than what is seen here in this prayer. It's a summary of what it is to live in the kingdom and to operate as if the kingdom were a reality. And there are six petitions. The first three are God-focused, your name, your kingdom, your will. And the last three are us-focused, give us, lead us, forgive us. And notice, too, the community leaning of this prayer. There is not that individualistic understanding that we tend to gravitate to. And that's kind of what this whole, the politics of Jesus is combating, the politics of individual liberty or individualism. And so we see in verse nine, our father, verse 11, us this day, our daily bread, give, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. There is this collective that we are to understand. It, it is the our Father who is in heaven. And I, I think that this is at the core of what is trying to be presented here, is that there is a community that represents God's kingdom, and it's showing us how we live into this. Last week, I talked a lot about the, the idea of Father. We kind of had the posture of prayer, the Our Father, where I'm, again, just having problems in understanding where does prayer fit in and how does God answer and where is my responsibility? And I don't understand so many things, but I do understand what it's like to be a father. And I do understand this idea of a parent, right? We, we talked about that God is not a male. And if you have problems with the father image for whatever reasons, understand the meaning of this parent who cares for you, someone who's looking out after you, someone who loves you dearly. This is the identity. And that's something I can understand with my children. Even though I'm not a great children, I wouldn't give them a stone if they asked me for bread. And so here, he's leaning again into that of a caring parent. And when he says, our Father in heaven, again, it's not way up there in the sky somewhere, but it is in and around you. You know, throughout scriptures, you would read things like uh, the voice of the Lord, you know, 
spoke to Jacob or or a voice from heaven spoke to Jacob. It doesn't mean it was up there in the sky. It means it was around him. It was was there present with him. It was a voice near and around. And it also represents that of authority. And so our father in heaven is both the idea of God's nearness and God's bigness. He's my Abba, my dad, but he's also the creator of the cosmos, our father in heaven, in this realm that encompasses everything. And then it says, hallowed be your name. And that's one of those words that we only use on October 31st, right? I mean, it's like, hallowed be your name. What, what does that mean? I, I, it's not a word that's familiar with us. Some passages say, holy is your name. And, and hallowed is something that is unique, your name is unique. It's one of a kind. It's unlike anything else. It's special. My mom, before she passed away, she gave me this ring. It used to be my grandfather's, and she got it after he passed away. And it has his initials on it, S.T. Samuel Trifoletti. I was named after him. And so it's made of silver, I'm pretty sure because my finger hasn't tarnished yet from it. And and so you could say, oh yeah, that's just a silver ring, but this ring means more than just a a ring to me. It's special because it was given to me by my mom and it was given to her by my grandfather and it has his initials that have sort of my initials except for the last name. And, And so in a certain way, this is hallowed. This is special. This is unique. It's one of a kind because of what it represents to me, right? It was given to me by someone who I love and someone who is special. And all those things are endearing to me and make this unique. And so if I were to constantly leave this ring on the sink at a gas station whenever I went to the restroom, or gave it to my grandkids so that they could chew on it and maybe swallow it, right? That'd be awful. Then I wouldn't be respecting it. That'd be profaning it. That would be taking something that is special and making it ordinary. And so Jesus is saying we are to make God's name special, unique. And names were a big deal back then. Right, the names weren't just something like you know. Well, well, let's name you after so and so, or let's you know you you look like a John, so we're going to call you John. Right? I mean, it's just they were just kind of our names can tend to be like, oh, I like the sound of this, but their names had to do with meaning, and that's why we see names being changed: Abram to Abraham, right? Jacob to Israel. We have Peter, Cephas, Saul, Paul. Why? Because we are changing your destiny and we need the name to represent the direction that you're moving in. And and so the name was a big deal. Changing was to acknowledge the change in character and destiny. What we're saying here is this name is connected to who you are and where you're going. Keep God's name holy was to acknowledge his reputation and character. 
So our father, our dad, who is great and all around, we want to keep your name special. May your name be kept holy. We don't want to see the character of God or of Jesus reduced to just a a sappy worship song. We, We don't want to see it reduced to something that is less than who he really is. Bring it down to just a mere tradition. We want the the beauty and majesty of who God is to be seen. We want to make his name beautiful. Now, that sounds silly because his name is already beautiful, but we want to participate in the unveiling of the beauty of who you are. You see, it's an invitation to participation. And, And that's why this prayer is anything but passive. This is an invitation to the participation of what God is doing. And he goes on, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I I think this is parallelism here. He's saying the same thing twice. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I think these are the same things. Your kingdom, your will, they're really the same. It's coming, it's going to be done. Heaven and earth here are overlapping spaces and they were always meant to be overlapping spaces. And the whole idea from the beginning when God created heaven and earth was this image of God in participation with his creation so that God space and human space were united it was good, it was good, it was good. And so you you have these two circles that are just overlapping each other. It's the human space, it's the God space. And, And then you have the story goes on to this garden and there's this serpent. The the created space now seduces the human understanding and separates itself in conduct with the creator space. And so they start to separate. And you know, you have those two circles where they only connect in that small portion. There's still a connection, but now there's more of a division that is there. And the whole movement of scripture isn't to move humankind out of earth and into heaven. The whole movement is to extend heaven back to earth so that they are reconnecting the created space and the creator so that they are once again in the awareness of one another and living in that harmony of other. And so Adam and Eve were originally given this responsibility to care for everything, and they blew it. And then the responsibility was given to the nation of Israel, and they too failed to do it. The whole point wasn't to get them to go to heaven someday out there somewhere. The whole point was to bring heaven and earth under God's space, that created space. And so Jesus is seen as both the last Adam and the new Israel restoring creator and creature together, bringing the two together. You know, our Genesis logo is taken from Genesis chapter three, 
There it is. <laughs> and don't forget to give. Um, where we see the tree of life in the garden representing that creator and human space working together, living together, overlapping one another. This tree is also seen in Revelation 22. The tree of life, again, is at the center of the garden, and that's the journey. It's taking from where it was, where the created space and the creator were in harmony, and that's where we are moving towards. And so when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's made these spaces once again be overlapped in such a way that they aren't distinguishable. The kingdom is here, but it's still coming. And our prayer is that more and more of this kingdom will be seen here in our midst, which then helps us to see that this isn't a passive prayer for Jesus to take us away, but a reestablishing of how we are to live our lives. See, why do we care about racism? Because that's a separation of the creator and the created space. And you could say that's hell on earth. Why do we care about human trafficking or about anything that doesn't look like the will of God? about poverty, using people, abusing people. Why? Because that's a separation of the creator and his created space. That, that's a division that shows up. Anything that doesn't look like the will of God looks like, in a sense, hell on earth. And we are participation or participants in this kingdom. We can't pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then sit back and do nothing. We, we can't ask God to make his will a part of the reality and not also step into that reality. It's requiring us to act on what he is saying. And I think it's important that we understand this, right? I don't think that God micromanages his will, Right? Whatever looks like the creator or the character of Christ looks like God's will. So it doesn't have to be, you know, so minute. Well, what is God's will, right? When people say they want to be in God's will, often they mean they don't want to risk hardship. I want to be in God's will. I don't know if I should, you know, marry that person or not because I want to be in God's will. I don't know if I should take that job or not because I want to be in God's will. I don't know if I should move to that location or not because I want to be in God's will. And I feel like what they're really saying is I don't want to make a choice that's going to be risky and I might have a hard time with later on. And I get that. I don't want that either. But I don't think that's what the will of God. I don't think God is micromanaging those kinds of things. I was talking about this with Randy on Wednesday. I don't think God cares if I'm a plumber or I'm a dog trainer. Now, I say that word care. I think he cares about everything, but I don't think it's his will that I be one or the other. I think he desires that I represent him as a dog trainer or as a plumber. 
that I represent him in this relationship or that relationship or in this state or that state. I think that is the will of God. I've shared this before. I think the will of God is a highway that we can fly down. It's not the tightrope that we have to worry about. It's the character of Christ that we live into. And so this is our desire, that his will be done, his kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven, that we would match what we see. And he goes on in verse 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. This is a a throwback from the story of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness when God provided manna for them. And every day God would provide manna for them. And manna was some kind of bread-like crystal thing that came up on the ground. And the word manna literally means what? That's what the word means. And so they would see that and they'd say, what? And they go, well, that's it. That's your bread for today. And they were only allowed to take up bread for that day because it would spoil if they tried to keep it for more than one day except for the Sabbath. And so there's this idea of provision for you, a daily dependence on God who is still providing and not yet between Egypt and the promised land. God will take care of each day. Now, how do we relate to this today. See, because I don't have to worry about daily bread. I've got like four choices of daily bread in my refrigerator and, you know, pantry. I could choose eggs. I could choose lunch meat. I could choose fruit. I could choose top ramen, right? I can choose the frozen burritos from Costco. I mean, I've got all these choices. So it, it seems strange to think of it in this idea of my daily bread, but there is Everything I have is a gift. The understanding not to take for granted what I have. Acknowledge that God is the provider in in some way. The mystery of a seed turning to a plant, turning into the salad I eat. The mystery of the cow turning into the In-N-Out burger, right? I mean, it's like this mystery of how God works all these things together. And it's funny because I was thinking about being grateful, And I was thinking, has there been a time where I've been grateful? And it's the strangest memory that I have. I was in either kindergarten or first grade. And I went to school. It was Robert Hillane Elementary School in East Los Angeles. And I don't know what happened. I think I took my lunch, but I think I forgot to put things in my lunch. My mom made me lunch, as I recall, because I remember having lunch. But this day... I didn't have anything but four saltine crackers. That's all I had. And I didn't eat breakfast, I know, because I was hungry. And so I had in the little packet, I remember I had four saltine crackers. And I remember I made the little packet like a little lunchbox. It's funny that I remember this to this day. And when it came time to eat, I said, this is all I have, so I need to be careful not to eat all these saltine crackers right away. And I savored those saltine crackers. They were the, one of the best meals I have ever had in my life. Now, I know that's not true. I've had amazing meals, but boy, does this one stand out. And all it was was four saltine crackers, but I was so grateful that I had at least them. And they tasted so good. 
and I was still hungry afterwards, but I was grateful for them. You see, give us this day. Our daily bread is a recognition of gratitude, of provision, of being cared for, of being loved. It's an acknowledgement that everything we have in some way, somehow, comes from who God is. And that recognition is, again, a part of keeping his name sacred, special, making it holy. And then he, he takes this turn and he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the word that he uses for debts here, it doesn't mean just debts, and it doesn't mean just like sins. It's kind of a combination of both, which again makes us think about what the reality of the kingdom might look like, where we actually forgive people not only the wrong, but also maybe the money that they owe us. And again, forgiveness is not feeling okay about something. The idea of forgiveness is yielding your right to get even or return evil. And so I, I can still be hurt and forgive. I, I can still not like what someone did and forgive. I'm just not going to retaliate evil for evil. And it's an active participation in kingdom mentality. And I also think it's important to distinguish that forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Right? Reconciliation takes two people willing to humble themselves, to listen to each other, for one to offer the other to receive Forgiveness is one will and one act towards the other. But this is meant to be done as a collective. So we as people who honor God's name, we as people who make his name holy, who, who want to see his will accomplished here, we are going to not reciprocate evil for evil. We are going to be people who do differently, live differently. And there's a resistance that takes place. There is an evil. There, there is this struggle that we find ourselves in. The, the idea of God and his will or kingdom, God providing life, the, the idea of forgiveness. And then there is the the push resistance against that. John describes it as the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and all these things are this resistance to the good, to the, the things that God is wanting to do, the will, the kingdom of God. There is this resistance. It, it might show up within me. It might show up from those around me. And it almost seems like there is something that is leading this. And again, it's described in so many ways that I don't want to simplify it or oversimplify it. But he says, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is, again, one of those troubling scriptures, at least for me. Literally, it means lead us not into the trial. 
don't lead me into the trial. Well, why would God lead me to some place that is difficult? And Jesus is saying, pray, God, don't lead me to the place that's difficult. Well, if I don't pray it, is he going to? Can't he just not do it? What, what, what's he trying to get at here? And I think in understanding that the world that has the resistance to the will of God, a, a world that is dealing with the, the flesh, as John says it, and the world that is against the, the will of God or the kingdom of God and the spiritual ideas of you know, the devil or those who are in opposition against God, having all these things in mind, then maybe it's a lot more of these things are there, so help us avoid those things. Keep us from those things. If in the world I'm going to have tribulation, help me not to have more tribulation. When I went to China years ago, it was before cell phones, it was before home computers, and to get a ticket, you had to go to a place and you had to buy it. You could not buy a ticket to go to China or to go into the United States online. You had to go someplace and actually purchase the ticket. When we were in China, there was a problem with our tickets and being able to come home. And so we had to go to a building that's written in Chinese that says, this is where you buy your tickets to get out of China to the United States. To do that, we needed a person. We needed a guide. Her name was Kawasaki-san. She was Japanese, and she was the only reason I am not stuck in China to this day. Because we went to a building and there was just this throng of people and there was like five gates or, or windows that you had to go to and get your ticket out. And there were no lines. There was just a surrounding of people pushing in to these windows to get to there. And I remember just looking at Kawasaki-san and saying, you gotta get us out of here. And we made this kind of, you know how you get that crowd, they make like a wedge and they wedge their rent. We had like four guys and we made this wedge and she was behind us and we just wedged our way into this window and then we were sitting there keeping people away so that Kawasaki-san could talk to them and get us our tickets out of China because she's the only one who spoke Chinese. See, I, I feel like this idea, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil is get us out of here. Don't get us lost. Help us make it through. We trusted her. We're trusting you. You're the only one who knows what's going on here because I don't. So lead me because sometimes I'm walking blind, guys. Sometimes I'm walking trying to figure out what is the next step I'm supposed to take? What is the next step we're supposed to take as a community? How are we supposed to move? And I can just say, don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Help us. I don't know the right decisions to make. I am asking your guidance in these areas. I don't want to be stuck here. I want to be a part of what you're doing. 
trials, difficult times are going to come that help us when we do, they do to make that decision. And he ends this prayer on, for if you forgive others your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. What is this? I thought we were talking about prayer here, and now he changes it and talks about forgiveness. He, he does the same thing in Mark chapter 11. Verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Yes, I like that. And then he goes on, he says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. For if you have anything against anyone, so your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. What does forgiveness and prayer have to do with one another? And the answer is everything. The answer is everything, that, that this is about what we are a part of. This is about the kingdom. This is about the, the creator and the creation working together in this idea of harmony. And, and so it's like Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor also. The idea of prayer and forgiveness are interconnected because we are interconnected with one another and how we are supposed to live. And if I cannot forgive, I'm in contrast to the will of God, to the character of God. And so once again, this whole prayer here is this incredible example of the whole ministry of Jesus. This is a guideline for how we live this life of following Christ. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's really all caught up in this prayer. It's recognizing we have a father who loves and cares for us. It is making his name beautiful because it is beautiful and we are unveiling it and helping others to see it as well. We are wanting this kingdom, his will, to start showing up in our world. We are thankful, grateful for what we have, our daily needs, and we recognize that we need to forgive as we have been forgiven. And we will trust him through the difficulties that we are going to struggle with as these worlds collide. And this is so active, so full, such a, a call to action. I would hate to make it just something I say and not something that I lean into and live. And I hope we will see these words as that. And it's okay to pray the Lord's Prayer. But let's live into it so that it shows up in our life and not just our words. Let's allow it to be a reality that we live into. Let's pray. Father, we hear these things that you have spoken through Christ and 
They move us to want to participate in what you are doing. So our prayer, Lord, is that these words would penetrate our hearts, our lives, and show up in how we conduct ourselves. That we would feel the the gravitational pull of your kingdom pulling us more and more to your heart and we would live more and more into it and allow it to be seen in us, through us, and around us. Again, I'm grateful, Father, for your love. I'm grateful for who you are. I am thankful for what you do and how you've provided. Father, may I continue to honor you, to hallow your name, to keep you in a place that is special. Make your name beautiful. Unveil it by my participation in it. May we all do that, we pray. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that everyone who's here this morning stay just for a couple minutes afterwards because I want to have a time of prayer where we break up and just pray for a few minutes together. Um, But we can't do that live, so I'm saying that here for you guys now. Um, And can't just have the camera panned and watch everyone pray. But for those who are watching online, may your life reveal the beauty of your Father in heaven. And may we strive to see the Creator and His creation work in harmony. God bless you guys. Love you. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.